Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast. I'm Luke Worley and in this podcast we'll be discussing factors that clinicians can use to predict response to treatment of children newly diagnosed with ulcerative colitis to be published in the December issue. Let's hear from our interviewee, the lead author of the paper. Can you give us your name and affiliation please? Sure. Hi Luke. Uh, I am Dr. Jeffrey Hyams. I am a professor of pediatrics at the University of Connecticut School of Medicine and head of the Division of Digestive Diseases at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Great. To begin with then, can you set the stage in terms of the burden of ulcerative colitis in children and adolescents, their treatment options, and the challenges faced by clinicians in treating them? Sure. Thank you. So over the past several decades, we have seen a marked increase in the incidence of inflammatory bowel disease in children, and this includes both Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And this particular study that is being published in Lancet Gastroenterology in December focuses on children who are newly diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Now, one of the things that is quite striking about children who have ulcerative colitis is the incredible variability in severity of disease at presentation and response to therapy. In contrast to adults, where most individuals present with more mild disease, which tends to be limited to the left side of the colon, children as a rule tend to present with more universal ulcerative colitis, so the whole colon is inflamed, and moderate to severe symptoms. And the breakdown is about two-thirds moderate to severe, one-third more mild. But what is striking is that even within each group, there is marked variability in response to therapy. By that I mean there are some children who present with very mild disease and who do quite well, but there are other children who present with mild disease and within a short period of time, they actually have transition to severe disease requiring marked escalation in medical therapy. In contrast, those children who present with severe disease in whom there is generally a fairly aggressive approach taken initially because of the degree of their illness, some get better immediately and some are refractory to all of our therapies and unfortunately wind up with colectomy, removal of the colon, within the first several months following diagnosis. What were some of the open questions with regard to this group that you set out to answer? And what are some of the aspects of your study design that allowed you to actually get these questions in ways that previous studies perhaps could not? So what we talk about when a, with a family or a child who's newly diagnosed with ulcerative colitis is we talk about generalities. We will say that, you know, it's highly likely that this is going to happen. For, but for any particular child, we obviously don't know. And the whole concept of precision or personalized medicine is that we develop ways early in the course of the illness, and for us that would mean at the time of presentation, for being able to better say to a family, this is what is likely to happen, and therefore these are the therapies that we feel will be the most effective, and at the same time, the safest for the particular degree of illness. So when we set out with this project, which was in 2012, the goal was can we identify predictors of disease course response to therapy early in the interaction with the patient? And we intended to look at both obvious demographic ones, age, sex, ethnicity, 
as well as clinical factors, severity of disease, severity of abnormalities in laboratory studies, but pushing it a little bit beyond that as well, looking at genomic DNA, looking at gene expression, looking at microbiome. The study that is being published in Lancet Gastroenterology really confines itself to the demographic and clinical features as the translational studies are continuing to be performed as we move forward. And the other thing that's important is that the Lancet Gastroenterology uh, article really focuses on the first three months because we know, both from our own clinical experience as well as previously published literature, that what happens in those first three months likely is highly correlative to what happens to a patient subsequently. Thanks for outlining that for me. Moving to the results of your actual study then, how many patients responded well and what were some of the factors that predicted which patients did the best? And conversely, what were some of the predictors that patients would need further therapy, in some cases, as you mentioned, including surgery to remove part of the colon? Part of the key of the particular study we're talking about today is that we outlined standardized therapy for our patients. Previous reports in the literature looking at the natural history of pediatric ulcerative colitis have not utilized standardized approaches. So when you look at natural outcome, it really is hard to interpret if patients are treated in different ways. In this study, the PROTECT study, patients were assigned to standardized therapies and the majority of our patients, in fact, fell into those groups. What we found, and this was disappointing to us, that even the best of the best of our patients, only about half of our patients, and this was in the mildest presenting group, only about half of them were in clinical remission and off of steroids. If you look at our entire cohort, so mild, moderate, and severe, only about a third of our patients were off of steroids and in clinical remission at 12 weeks. Certainly, and not unexpectedly, those patients who presented with more mild disease, and we define mild disease by a score on what's called the pediatric ulcerative colitis index, activity index of less than 35, they tended to do better. Not a surprise. We also found that kids who had less severe laboratory studies tended to do better. Not surprisingly, however, because we've had this impression for a long period of time, there were certain laboratory studies that were highly correlative with outcome. And one, probably the most important one, is the serum albumin, which is the main protein in our blood. And when that's low, that probably is a surrogate marker for very extensive mucosal inflammation. And we found that particularly in those children who presented with more moderate to severe disease, severe hypoalbuminemia was a bad prognostic feature. But we also found a couple of interesting new findings that had not really been reported, particularly in the pediatric literature. And these had to do with findings on the initial biopsies at the time of diagnosis. We've known for a long time that eosinophils, a type of inflammatory cell, are not uncommon in the tissue in children or adults with ulcerative colitis, but we really didn't know what their significance was. There was a very strong signal in our study that the absence of eosinophils or lower eosinophil numbers was actually a very bad prognostic sign and was highly correlated with the need for rescue medical therapy that had not been described before. 
And secondly, there were changes in the way that the cells appeared under the microscope, something called surface villiform changes, which we think correlates with the degree of epithelial injury. And that too was highly correlated with doing badly. So what we've started to do is put together models of children with clinical features, not demographic features because age, sex, ethnicity didn't appear to play a role, but clinical features, probably microscopic in some laboratory studies that will be very helpful at the time of diagnosis in predicting course. But it's early to know how far we can take that because we're waiting for the additional translational studies, the genomic DNA, whether there are particular polymorphisms, gene expression, and microbiome. And our hope is that when we put those factors together with the easily obtainable clinical factors that we describe in this study, we will better able to predict how children will respond to therapy and therefore perhaps we'll be able to alter how we treat children early in the disease course to avoid the most serious complication, which would be that of colectomy. Interesting. So you've kind of touched on it a bit there, but how do you think the results of your study at this point will be able to impact clinical practice and the ability of physicians to make informed decisions about how to best care for these patients? I think this is a very important first step. We have laid the groundwork for moving forward and as I said, in this initial PROTECT study, we look at easily obtainable information, blood work, clinical features, as well as histology on biopsy. That's available to all clinicians right now, but we need to take it to the next step. Just like the oncologist many years ago went from clinical presentation to really getting down to a much more granular level, that's where we'll need to go. So I think this is a step on the journey, it's certainly not the final step. Yeah, beyond the clinical implications of the work then, can you comment on how you think your data might help to inform families and caretakers and their expectations? Yeah, absolutely. So what does every family, what does every patient want to know at the time of diagnosis? And that's how am I gonna do? Am I gonna get better with the medicines or what are the toxicities of the medicines? Am I gonna lose my colon? Because everyone is afraid of needing a colectomy and possibly having an ostomy. So again, I think for the first time, we have very good controlled data to be able to tell families that with consensus standard of care therapy, the likelihood of your child being in remission or the likelihood of your child requiring additional therapy, or the likelihood of your child requiring colectomy over this period of time is X or Y or Z. We really heretofore have not had that information. And I also think it speaks to the fact that we need to tell families that perhaps our current standard of care therapies are at best effective only half the time. And that may be an impetus for them and for others to be looking to participate in clinical trials where we're trying to learn more about the next generation of therapies because we clearly need more therapies than we have today. Finally then, what questions still need to be answered going forward, do you think? The most important are the translational studies that we've talked about. And again, we're talking about groups or populations of children. We need to be able to talk about your child, the individual child who is in our clinic or in our hospital, 
where we can sit down with a family and say, based on the information in front of us, we feel that it is imperative 